Tonight on Rogue Padron, short-tempered businessman, Aaron Alston, Gavin Darklighter Stan, and a happy pirate is a career pirate. Pirate. I spelled that wrong. Oh, no. Pirate. <laughs> Arr. Arr. Okay. There we go. There we go. And then intro music. Pew, pew. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. What's up, listeners? Welcome to a brand new episode of Rogue Padron. This is Season 6, Mission 3, and tonight we're going to be talking about Chapter 7 through 9 of X-Wing Iron Fist. But before that, a quick reminder of your hosts. If Heath, Rogue 3, was a Frappuccino, he would be... (laughs) (laughs) Wait, she hasn't even said it yet. I know, but I love it. I love that we're going to be frappuccinos. I'm so excited about this. He would be the caramel frapp, classic all-American and enjoyable by even those who hate coffee. (laughs) That's sweet. There's Seth, Rogue Seven, who would be the unicorn frappuccino because she's truly a manic pixie dream girl. Oh my god, I was hoping I would be the unicorn frappuccino. (laughs) Danny Rogue Six would be the caramel ribbon crunch frap because it really is just the caramel frap. So he's like Heath, but with glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, wait, Heath had caramel in his too. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh no! Oh. <laughs> I'm Meg Rogue Leader, and I would be the green tea frappuccino because I'm too damn sweet when I should really be more bitter. <laughs> I love this so much. I have never drank a cappuccino. A frappuccino? A frappuccino. <laughs> wow, everything was wrong. That <laughs> I've never I've never drunken anything that ends in chino. You've never had a cappuccino? I've never had any coffee product, yeah. period. Whoa. Yeah. I've had some coffee, but Well some of them Frappuccinos don't always have to be coffee. Yeah, a lot of them have just like a cream base. They're good. You should <clears throat> one. What? <laughs> <laughs> As in, there's no coffee in the Frappuccino, so you should drink it, because it's good. Yeah. What's the point? It's you get just a sweet milk. Drink. Is yeah. it just like cream and milk? It's like a and smoothie. Milk. Yeah. There's oh, no like a milk cream. Shake. It's like a cream flavor. It's like a milkshake. Yeah. It's good. Great. <laughs> wow. What kind of millennial are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm weirdly millennial. Oh, yeah. I made like yeah. a Pokemon meme the other day, and you didn't know what it was. Yeah. There is, I should take a picture of this sometime. There is a Photoshop of me as a Pokemon in my office, and I don't get it. But everyone else thinks it's funny. So. Oh, yeah. Tweet it tomorrow. Wait, which, which I'll Pokemon explain are you? it to you. Um, it's, it's, well, the, it says DJ Warpurtle. So is that. <laughs> yeah, like Wartortle. Wartortle, yeah. okay. He's, he's okay. the second evolution. Well, he's the second in the evolution of Squirtle. So it's Squirtle, Wartortle, and Blastoise. Oh, too bad Blastoise doesn't rhyme with Purtle. Yeah, too bad. No. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Danny being out of touch with reality, I have a question <laughs> about Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Rose, 
Woo! My answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Rose and Paige. Rose yes. and Paige. She has a sister. A sister. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> 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 was that was that it? Is there a question here? So so we're all like we're all into the idea of Rose and a sister. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Great. I just figured that that would be enough of a prompt to get you all going. Uh, I am so super duper a million times ready for anything and everything that involves Rose and Paige Tico. Um, so we do find out that she has sister and a last name from that Vanity Fair article, which mm-hmm. two very important things. Um, we know that Rose is a mechanic. So I hope that Jess keeps breaking her X-Wing so she can repeatedly get it fixed by that cute mechanic <laughs> Rose all the time. Yes, yes. I heard a really bad, sad rumor about Jess and the next movie. That oh, she's no. not in it. Yeah. yeah. Is that true? I refuse well, to I, believe Oh, we know. The actress, like, <laughs> confirmed that she didn't film anything for it in an interview a while back or something. No. Mm-hmm. Why would they recast Jess Pava? That makes no sense. <laughs> Danny, you're so hopeful. Danny. Danny, I don't think that's what that means. So, do you think that Rose is a mechanic of X Wings? I hope yes. so. Yes, that would be. And good. That, that's why she knows how to fix them. Surely she knows how to fly them, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Clubber doesn't. Cubber, whatever his name is, the mechanic for the Wraiths doesn't know how to fly, really. I mean, can plane mechanics fly plane? No. Maybe not skillfully, but they would have an idea of how everything worked. Yeah. I mean, I car mechanics know how to drive cars. But cars everyone are... knows how to drive a car, Denny. Do they? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> most people. <laughs> I think it's, it's easier to learn how to drive a car than driving, like, every other vehicle. Yeah. Except, like, maybe a golf cart. <laughs> but even then those I was get trying so hard to think of an example to counter your point and you came up with it quicker than me <laughs> I just can't let you have it Danny that's okay what I love about Rose is that it she appears to be a prominent character who is a woman of color who is not a CGI character or an alien or wearing like a mask of some kind Oh yeah, very very excited about that. Um, what I am really happy about when finding out about Paige Tico um, was that they got an additional Vietnamese actress. Yes. So they yeah. were just like, "Hey, any other Asian person I happen to know, right. mm-hmm. yeah. be this part." It's like, no, they're both Vietnamese. <laughs> yep. I'm so worried that her role is going to be relegated to being a love interest for Finn, and. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm really feeling cautious about getting hopeful about her story because I have that fear. Yeah. Well, they did say that like romance wasn't going to be like a core part of the movie. So even if she is love interest, I don't think she'll be relegated to that role only. They said it is or isn't a core part of the movie. Is not. Isn't. Did they say that just for Ray specifically or just for the whole movie? No, the whole whole movie. movie. Oh, I missed that quote. Oh, excellent. I mean, yeah, everyone was freaking out about some trashy romance, but it's fine if it doesn't make it on the big screen. Keep it in the yeah. Well, I mean, like Han and Leia, kind of like they had a romance, but it wasn't like a 
big part of it. It was just kind of there a lot of the time. It wasn't like, defining, I mean, yeah. Yeah, especially for, like, the first movie <laughs> when that romance stuff was weird. Um, so I think, like, there's a chance that there will be, like, romantic things between any of the characters, probably least likely Ray. But um, even if it is there, it won't be, like, that's the character's role. So that makes me more hopeful for Rose not falling into that. Yeah. So in conclusion, do we think we'll see Rose flying an X-Wing? Oh, I no. hope so. Oh, I really hope so. I hope so, but I doubt it. I, I think... really need a Rose yeah. in an X-Wing pilot action figure. <sighs> yes. I, I want to save that for episode I nine. What I want in episode eight is for her to end up having to fly an X-Wing, but like having to figure it out as she's going. Mm. And her yeah. like so Finn being like, well, Poe taught me this and that. And her like being like, well, I'm a mechanic, so I know this and that. And they're like puzzling it out as they go. And then okay, when that's we come really back cute. in episode like nine, that. she's like, that was great. Now I'm a pilot. Right. Like if she's like, oh, well, I know that these switches are for the dampener. So I bet I can just flip this up and it'll fix it. And then <laughs> it does not fix it. She's like, oh, no. Nah, Should have <laughs> bypassed the compressor. She's like, oh, no. I want to be like Anakin when he flies that ship in the first movie. Yeah, and he's like accidentally doing it really well. Yeah. <laughs> And Finn's just yelling the whole time. Like, that's yeah. not how you do it. Like, that's not what Poe said. Poe says you should not do that. Rose and Finn are, like, <laughs> fighting in the cockpit of the X-Wing. And one of them bumps a button that fires the cannon that ends up taking out Starkiller Base 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I want this so bad. Well, there we go. There we got it. Well, now that we are very invested in a headcanon about Rose, that might not happen. <laughs> It'll happen. I want it. I have found that wanting things is the best way to make them happen. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, sure is. Mm. All right, Meg, I'm, I'm done with the last Jedi question. <laughs> okay, thank you for letting <laughs> me know. <laughs> well, let, let us get into chapters 7 through 9 of X-Wing Iron Fist. So we start off with Face who is hanging around in space in his TIE Interceptor by himself with no comms. And he's currently dying of boredom. He's on the watch for a cargo shipment, and he was able to get some valuable information from a drunk navigator at a bar about how this particular vessel, the Bardaria, sure, Bardaria, keeps itself out of the hands of pirates. The ship jumps outside the system, listens to the comm signals to see if there are any dangers around, and then corrects its next jump into the system. The key is that the ship jumps to the same safe space every time, and that's where the race, well, that's where the hawk bats are waiting for them. Face also makes a copy of the navigator's data pad, and although it doesn't have any of the freighter routes, it does have a list of planets that are easily made out to be a list of stops for the vessel. Beneath his tie helmet, Face's face is even more scarred up to mask his identity. Although he could simply get his real scar removed and not have to worry about hiding and incorporating it into his disguises, Face feels the need to keep it. His guilt about what Benefit he was to the Imperial propaganda war machine won't leave him, and the scar is proof that he understands the part he played, and he's trying to do right by it now. He's like verging on the territory of Kylo Ren territory here, I feel like. <laughs> nah, he's fine. <laughs> the scar is my pain that I carry with me to remind me of my damage. <laughs> he's chill. Of my, of my granddad. So, yeah, he's like a chill version of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Like, he's not quite too extra about it. Right. (laughs) That's a thing the youth say. Yeah. The Bardera, Bardaria, I'm never going to get that right, jumps out of hyperspace in range of their guns. Wedge targets their engines and effortlessly takes them out. Together, they destroy the comms and the main turbo laser battery. Face opens a channel, introducing himself as General Kerrigan, Kargan, cares, of the Huckbat Independent <laughs> Space Force. <laughs> he just wants to seize the vessel and will let any surrendering crew members be safely rescued by Halmud's security forces. He does warn that any resistance will be met with swift repercussions. Captain Rankin surrenders his vessel and gets his docking ports ready. Okay, so... I have to point out, or I want to point out, I guess. I don't have to do anything. I want to point out that in the the list of characters at the beginning of the book, the Hawkbats is like a little subheading here. And General Cargan is in there and Lieutenant Ketch is in there. And so mm-hmm. when I first saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, this Ewok pilot is actually going to be real. But I love how actually this is just a list of characters that other characters are playing <laughs> as they act out the Hawkbats. I am, I am so ready for you to meet Lieutenant Ketch. I feel Again. like I have met him twice now. Right, but I think you don't really meet Lieutenant Ketch until later. Oh my god, I'm so oh excited no. for this. <laughs> Does he like steal a real Ewok or something? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll see in, in, the, in this chapter, we'll really see that Really, nothing is above or beneath them. So, it's it's going to be good. Right That's on. all I can say. I also just want to mention that I'm really happy that the gang is called the Hawkbats. I know that, that happened in the last section, but it just kind of came up organically. We didn't get a chance to talk about the fact that they decided to call themselves the Hawkbats. Yeah. It's pretty good. And it's that's really good. the best pirate crew name. They are the Hawkbat Independent Space Force. <laughs> right. <laughs> So the boarding party ends up being just Face, Caston, and Ton. They make it to the bridge and meet the captain, who is kind of a D-bag. The Rankin. The <laughs> Rankin. I was like, put that there? Who is kind of a D-bag, allowing his officers, officers to potentially take the blame for what was no doubt his schemes of deception. The race find out they have a pretty good haul to choose from. Halmed's best alcohol, medicines, Duracrete sprayers, and shelters. They're planning on taking all of the booze and some of the medicine. Yes. <laughs> Priorities. Yep. Kasten notices that a later leg of their journey would put them in possession of tie parts, and they'll be able to figure out which stop to get those from. <laughs> that ghost noise. All right. Definitely a ghost Sorry. noise. <laughs> That was a motorcycle oh, no. going down my street. A, a ghost motorcycle? <laughs> sure Potentially. A ghost rider? <laughs> Face has them load up what they can into the sungrass and tells Rankin to let the other captains know that the hawk bats don't kill unless they're annoyed or bored. Okay. Okay. But, okay. I feel like if you're like, if you are like part of General Zinch's group or something, or if you have some kind of intelligence ability as like an Imperial or an independent pirate, 
you probably assume that if somebody's like, we're not going to kill unless we're bored or they annoy us, like, you'd probably assume that they're just good guys undercover because that's what good guys undercover do. Like, it's a common thing. Maybe they haven't really met too many good guys undercover. I mean, I guess. But I still feel like that's such an easy way to just make people think you're not a bad guy. Well, you have to think that a lot of these pirate brigades that are out and around don't necessarily kill all these people, right? Because that's how people know and come up with these plans to avoid them. Is because it's like, oh yeah, I got jumped doing this thing. And like all of these people who are like for hire, they're like, I don't like I'm gonna get yelled at, but it's not worth my life to be like, no, you can't take this. Maybe so. I just have a really bad stereotype of pirates in my head. You do. I think you do. <laughs> I think I might. They're all maybe there's just more pirates like Will Turner out there, okay? Most pirates are, are good people. Are they? They pillage so- bad people and bring the goods to good people. I feel like that's not, not most true. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know. I mean, I You're read right. actually a few books on pirating history. <laughs> okay, big nose. I'm just making it up <laughs> of what I see Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> there's there's nothing I can respond to the, to that. <laughs> I've read books on pirating history. <laughs> I have. One was about the golden age of piracy. Yes. So we all knew that Raider, was a thing, obviously. Raiders and rebels. Yeah. Any anyway. Anyway. <laughs> you learned a lot. Thank you, Meg. You're welcome. And you're gonna learn a lot more. Like how Colonel Repness's training squadron is called the Screaming Wookiees. Hmm. Dirty. Oh. Jeez. Oh, I did not think of it that way. No! Danny, no one except for you thought about it that way <laughs> until just now. <laughs> that was all you. But now you're all in my personal hell. <laughs> Oh, no. This is not where I want to be. <laughs> what kind of fic have you been reading, Danny? Danny, no. <laughs> so Colonel Repness and Lara are in private, and he pulls out a device to make sure no one is listening in on them. He explains to Laura that, their grade, that her grades going up were only in part to her actually improving. The rest is his adjustment, and that without his adjustments, she would be failing, but just barely. He explains hmm. that he never could have predicted that that would happen. Oh, so weird. <laughs> he explains that he thinks that she could be a good pilot, but she hasn't been a very good team player. He said she says that she wants to be, but she doesn't know how. And he jumps at the offer of telling her. He describes how she would be on a milk run mission in an A-wing. Her readouts would tell her her of a critical engine failure, and Repness would order her to eject out. But only after the A-Wing was actually safely on the ground and she was out of it. They would then detonate an ion bomb in the atmosphere to give any investigation crews the proof that they need that the ships just went ahead and destructed. Repnus's crew would come rescue Lara and tow away the A-Wing to sell on the black market. Repnus is so slimy. He's so gross. I do not like so, him at all. This whole exchange is just so uncomfortable because they're both laying it on so thick. It's right. It's like oh, like I half <laughs> imagine that Lara is still just in her lingerie in this because she is yeah, 100%. <laughs> with her fake birthmark and like <laughs> right, but it's like moved to a different location. But I want to be a team player, and you're just like oh, <laughs> oh. do not oh. want. That's 
that mean? Uh. So that's great. <clears throat> we find out that Laura had snuck into Rubness's quarters before and modified his signal blocker to record every word and send her a copy. Rather than going to the race with this information, she's going to ruin his career and redeem herself in her own way. Mm. You go, girl. Mm. (laughs) Do your own mistakes. Yep. (laughs) Out, we jump back into the Hawkbats, where we find that once again they board the Bardaria and meet Captain Rankin, much to his dismay. They take the tie parts they want, tipping them off that there's a hole in the trade guild security, which there isn't. And to rub it in, Face leaves with the note, it was a pleasure doing business with you again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Captain Cargan. Kerrigan. Whatever. <laughs> I love our approach to names. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's a real name. It's fine. And after that super brief interlude, we're back with Laura, who goes to listen to the data file of her recording and sees it's much bigger than she thought. Turns out, Rupness uses the Scrambler all the time, and she now has so much data of him and his lackeys, as well as when he mumbles to himself as he's putting in his passcodes and doing all of his illegal work. What a dummy! Yeah, so dumb. I can't even handle how bad that is. How has he survived this long? <laughs> the black market? <laughs> Bribes and threat and some blackmailing? Like, what? What a dummy. <laughs> Laura then writes a letter to the Elder Kraken and his non-military counterpart, signed from the White Lancer. <laughs> <laughs> Again, she's just so over the top about everything. <laughs> I love it. So much. And in this note, of course, she like changes grammar and spelling and she's like, I gotta make it seem like it's edgy. (laughs) So bad. So she attaches all of Rebness's passcodes and data along with her own altered scores. She has a soft spot due to her past, her actually wanting to be a pilot, but feeling obligated to go into Imperial intelligence, and she destroys the data of other pilots that were coerced into plans or into silence. Laura then goes to confront Rapinus, saying she refuses to do his dirty work. She doesn't tell him about the information that's been handed over. He knocks her out, intending to do more falsifying to her records to show that, to show that she's a compulsive liar, so no one would believe her anyway. Across space, Wedge and the Wraiths, actually as the Wraiths in their remaining X-Wings, report for duty to General Han Solo upon the, aboard the Mon Ramonda. Of course, Wedge starts giving Han shit, teasing him about his dress uniform. And much playful banter ensues. It was just cute. It's just cute. Wedge can do whatever he wants all the time, basically. (laughs) Best friends with Leia, best friends with Luke, like drinking buddies with Han. Admiral Ackbar's favorite. (laughs) Slash, he's in charge of the Wraiths, who are like just the most disastrous pile of humans ever. So. (laughs) there's no standards that he has to fulfill nope as him and Han head down to the officers quarters Han offers Wedge to trade jobs him out being a pirate again and Wedge can be general in command of two X-Wings an A-Wing and a B-Wing squadron Wedge says ah heck nah (laughs) no son (laughs) nah son (laughs) 
Han describes that despite all the bites they get, no lead has been fruitful. Wedge warns them that he may not want to be as aggressive as they have been because Warlord Gabor uses Imperial intelligence tactics and could be doing this to see exactly how the Mon Ramonda responds to leaked info and then set a trap for him. Wedge offers to have Shala look over Han's data, and when Han agrees, Wedge sees exactly how far Han's come and how well he actually fits his uniform. Character development! <laughs> and now we will have a dramatic reading. Face came out of the turbolift behind Dia and one of the rogues, a Twi'lek, who had been introduced as Noara Ven, and overheard the rogue try to start up a conversation. Face didn't understand the words, assumed they were in Twi'leki, the language of Ryloth, homeworld of the Twi'leks. But Dia's response was not in the same tongue. Her voice was emotionless. Speak basic, please. Noara Ven took a second to compose himself. I... I'm sorry. I said, we must get together sometime at your convenience to talk. About what? About home. About our experiences as Twi'leks in the armed forces. Ryloth was where I was born, but then it spat me out, made me property of an Imperial Crime Syndicate leader. Ryloth is not my home. I don't have a home. And I doubt our experiences have been similar unless you have been a slave. Well, no, but... Then we've probably exhausted available topics of conversation. She picked up the pace and moved up away from the rogue. Noara turned to the other rogue Twi'lek pilot, a larger man with the upright, aggressive posture of a warrior. Face remembered. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> what makes one's posture aggressive? They're kind of hunched and big, like a like a big bird who's trying to scoop someone. <laughs> like chased out. Yeah. Okay. But still kind of hunched. It's a really weird position. Face remembered that he had been introduced as Taldira. Taldira shrugged and gave Noara a little smile. I think you lost that case, Counselor. I don't think I was ever even in the courtroom. Yay! Noara's back! Yay! Noara's back totally and better. Told. Yeah, not better than ever. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Shut down. Super yeah. shut down. Not here for anyone's shit. Nope. I just so, imagine like Michael Stackpole writing his X-wing books and just like Noara Ven, ace lawyer, wins everything all the time. And then Aaron Alston <laughs> is like, "Ha ha! I finally get my chance with this character." <laughs> <laughs> oh no! We'll talk more about Alston and the Rogues later. Okay. <laughs> I have a very important comment for that later. Okay. Oh dear. Oh dear. Yes. So after that, Wedge calls Face into his quarters. He explains that Laura resolved the whole repness business by herself without ever calling in or alluding that the whole thing was a setup. She told the trainers that standing up to repness solved a lot of her issues and they let her go through an accelerated training course, which she dominated. She put in for transfer to Wraith or Rogue Squadron. The new commander of repness's ship is General Crispy Crispin from Fuller Base. And I bet when I when I saw it, I like canceled. Yay, Crispy is back! Yeah, Crispy. <laughs> he assigned her Revenant's personal X-wing, and she will be joining the race as backup on their missions. Face is really just glad that the whole thing didn't blow up in his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really dodged a bullet there. 
super. <laughs> even though it wasn't even his idea. Right. <laughs> but as ranking officer between him, Kel, and Tan, it's it's really up to him. Okay, I remember Kel. A little bit. Not that much. You know who we also haven't seen like at all in this book yet? Is Saf's one and only Min Donos. Oh. Yeah, he's really been in here. Well, back on the Iron Fist of World of Gabor. Sounds like we're going to get to see Mr. Dead inside again soon. <laughs> as long no, as he's not uh, dead outside. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Melvar updates him to let him know that Gara Pedothel has made it aboard the Mon Ramonda as part of Wraith Squadron. Warlord Gabor is quite pleased, annoying, totally annoyed with General Solo's pursuit of him. Unfortunately, none of Gabor's agents have been able to make direct contact with her. Melvar recruited the brother of the real Laura Nost- Nostril. I just put Nostril. I gave up. <laughs> 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 New Old Town <laughs> in order to send a message to Lara to make sure she hands over the location and plans of the Mon Ramonda to Warlord Gabor ASAP because all this mess is becoming expensive. I love I... how angry Warlord Gabor yes. was about the name New Old Town. <laughs> He's like, don't he even say so that to me irritated. again. <laughs> that was so funny to me. I laughed so hard during that part. Same. He was so mad about that name. It was so good. It's like I mean, new old town. Re- that name irritates like, Don't me. say it. <laughs> Don't say it. And Melvar was just like new old town, like all the time. <laughs> oh, and so finally, great. finally, he figured it out, and he was like, "The place that shall remain nameless." It's <laughs> not <laughs> like it's Baltimore. <laughs> Gabor is just like new old town is the stupidest name. What is that? <laughs> And this is coming from a guy whose last name is Zinge. So there you go. Right. Was like, Emerald Trigger probably blew it up because of the name. <laughs> right. <laughs> Accurate, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But that's that's all we get to see of Gabor right now. So uh, It was a Wedge delightful giving... little, little interlude. It was, it was nice. It was nice. I like Warlord Gabor like... a lot more after that. <laughs> he didn't kill any pilots for like any of his henchmen just because they wanted to be pilots this time. Like, yeah. He wasn't, like, okay. spying on them with security cameras. Being a he was just like, New Old Town, what the hell? <laughs> why? But why, though? Why? <laughs> so Wedge is briefing the rogues and the wraiths aboard the Mon Ramonda. Their next move will be on the planet Lavasar, a mineral-rich and independently wealthy planet that doesn't have strong ties to Warlord Gabor, but he no doubt wants to tighten his hold on it. They know he has presence there due to communications from Warlord Gabor's raptors, his elite troops. So many names of things. So many. After also, going over hunt. Sorry. No, you're good. They're just the raptors? Yeah, it's just the raptors. Not the space nope. raptors? Nope, just, just the raptors. raptors. Not the raptor bats? Raptor I imagine it as dinosaurs more than I do as like yeah dinosaurs. yeah I, I guess still like they didn't dinosaurs. specify it at all. <laughs> I feel like they've kind of given up on spacing things. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, with like new old town, like they've just given up. <laughs> so after going over Han's data, shall. Shala finds that his task force has predictable responses to the various stimuli Warlord Gabor throws at them. 
which Tycho and Han have theorized that Warlord Gabor has been feeding them kind of false information. He makes their targets look like they're really important to him, but in reality, they're not. He's having Han's forces do his dirty work for him, usually corporations that have been reluctant to join him, and now he can approach them with more bargaining power after they've been, like, wiped out by the New Republic. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Like, it's a really good plan, but, like, ooh, Han, buddy. I'm glad that, like, Gabor is actually good at what he's doing because right, I'm yeah. kind of worried he's going to be like a dumb warlord guy, but you know what? I'm, I'm starting to like him a bit. Yeah, he can do some things. So this is okay. my important note. Oh, Be- go ahead. Before you get into this, I just want to say like, this was like the first time we've really seen the Rays and the Rogues crossover, <laughs> and it was so fun to see like, the I like the way that he described it at, from the Rays' perspectives, which you're I think you're about to describe more, but just like where sure. it was like they didn't know any of them and so it was kind of like we were rediscovering all these characters for the first time yeah (laughs) the the important part of rediscovering these characters though (laughs) is that (laughs) this is how alston describes the rogues a twi'lek corn horn a pilot but when it comes (laughs) to gavin darklighter Alston actually takes the time to describe him as a brown-haired young man whose innocent features and country boy demeanor belied his combat experience. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder who Alston's favorite character was. (laughs) And then it goes on to a seer, and she's simply the Bothan next to Gavin with her arm on it. Wow, a definite favorite child there. So I also picked up on that, and it made me really afraid that Gavin's going to die in this book. And that <laughs> this is where, like, the focus is kind of, like, shifting to him a little bit, and we're, like, getting more Gavin, and it's all going to end terribly. And I have a feeling that Nancy's going to send you a DM when she hears me <laughs> saying this. <laughs> I didn't go to that dark place. <laughs> Yeah, I, have to I didn't say, even notice I was that. Delighted honestly. that Cornhorn was Cornhorn, a pilot, and then he has like <laughs> one line in this. Like Cornhorn exists in this book to only exist in a single sentence is just wonderful. Right. He's a rogue, <laughs> I guess. He's just one of the rogues, <laughs> just some guy. It's so it doesn't refreshing. Matter. He's probably like internal monologuing during the entire book, but we're he... not listening to it. <laughs> right. Oh my god, right? he is. He definitely is because like his whole point, like we get to later. Is just that like rogues don't run away. And, like, <laughs> like, it's just like shut up. This isn't your mission. <laughs> I really wish it had said Cornhorn, a pilot with a distant, vacant expression on his face. <laughs> looks like he's probably thinking about his dead dad. <laughs> Has that look on his face that you only get when? <laughs> right. Oh, so good. So that's just that's my very important point about like. Who Aaron Alston really enjoys in these books. <laughs> so the Monarmanda now has the difficulties of A, responding appropriately to the stimuli, not letting Warlord Gabor know that they know, B, not doing Warlord Gabor's dirty work for him, and C, not letting themselves get pulled into a trap. It's Hobby's idea that they do send troops into Lavasar. They'll plant a bomb, it'll go off, but it'll leave the sensors intact. When the X-Wings approach, they'll know it and send up their forces to meet them, causing the X-Wings to retreat. And this is when the rogues are like, oh, what? Rogues never run, even when they have to. And Wedge <laughs> is like, this is obviously a Wraith mission. Yeah. And oh, you're about to <laughs> say it. 
Yeah. Face adds that the race don't mind running even when they don't have to. <laughs> I would be a much better race than a rogue, honestly. <laughs> They're like, hey, we might not have to pull out, but we will anyways. We're out of here. <laughs> Gonna yeah. go get a drink. <laughs> I, yeah, I love the difference in the rogues being like the heroic, upstanding, like, we'll fight to the death for anything. The raids being yeah. like, nah, bro, <laughs> it's looking bad, we're out of there. <laughs> Even if it looks like just unfavorable, like yeah. we're out. <laughs> or boring, or irritating. <laughs> boring, yep, they're like, oh, this isn't fun. <laughs> I love I love the raids so much. So good. And for a real reason, they also do this because Wedge has to make it clear to Warlord Gabor that the race are indeed aboard the Monramanda so they can keep up their Hawkbat identity as a secret. Laura then comes in and is introduced to the race. Wedge explains that although she hasn't seen any combat, she did take down a crime ring from within the New Republic, so she's not to be trifled with. (laughs) She endears herself to everyone by joking that she will take bribes to ensure she doesn't turn in any of them for their illicit activities. <laughs> She's a perfect wraith already. Right, already fits in. <laughs> Wedge goes on to explain that they'll keep their intelligence team on the ground after the X-Wings leave. One volunteer will go and see the governor and produce the proof that Warlord Gabor was setting them up. At best, they may turn to a front to the New Republic, but an acceptable alternative is that they stay in the Empire and are actual enemies to Warlord Gabor. Warlord... War... Wall. Laura chimes in. Laura Warlord Gabor. Laura chimes in to say that the governor likes sunfruit liquor, which I would like to taste. Um... And that during her legitimate job on Coruscant, she had seen a lot of trade manifests and noticed this fact. She apparently has a trick memory, so she'll remember a bunch of useless stuff, but she's not good with faces. That is Wedge the asks, worst superpower. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was like, oh, is that me? Is that oh, me? No. Did Aaron Alston just call me out about this? <laughs> I think just I have this, next time, but I also Aaron. don't have the trivia effect. I have the trivia facts, like, real bad. Wait, I'm so bad at faces and I'm bad at everything else. don't remember everything. So, Wedge asked Squeaky to get some of the good stuff. Squeaky was, like, into that. Like, yeah. in the moment we started asking, he was like, yeah, I know I'm gonna get it. It's fine. He's like, yep, getting the liquor, already ordered, don't even worry <laughs> about it. Tropical planet, don't. None, no synthetic stuff, like, please. Squeaky is good at his job. And he used to be a bartender, so I understand. Yeah. Wedge asks... Oh, I skipped a thing. Okay. So <laughs> later, <laughs> Tyria comes in to see Wedge in his office. She explains that what Repness had done to her... Oh, she explains that Repness had done this to her, and that if he accuses her, she'll no doubt be yanked from the race and probably court-martialed. She just wants to prepare Wedge for the worst. Wedge asks what she would do if Repness didn't accuse her, but privately contacted her to offer some kind of bargain. She steadfastly refuses, saying he wouldn't have any more hold over her. Wedge then decides that he'll just lie, aka he's been with the race way too long, and that he'll say that he always knew about this, that it was his idea to put Lara up to the task to spy on him and prove his corruptness after Tyria had come to him about this thing. He orders Tyria to not answer any questions about Repness until they come talk to Wedge first. 
Tyria will remain a wraith until she dies or transfers out on her own volition, not when some outsider decides she's no longer one. Which, oof, Wrath, you're, Wedge, you're so good. I'm having a lot of wraith feelings because of this. Right? Like, it's so good. Yeah. It's I like, so sweet. I like all of them a lot. Yeah. That was a good moment Wedge. for her. We haven't seen much of yeah. her. And it was nice that she got that little moment, like that reminder mm-hmm. of her, her past and how it's like actually really relevant to what's going on in this book with Lara, mm-hmm. who is very prevalent right now. Mm-hmm. Wedge knows that his story won't hold up in court, but he's willing to take the punishment to retain the skills, loyalty, and comradeship of a pilot like Tyria Sarkin. I did write Tyria Tarkin, but I was like, no, this is a very serious <laughs> moment. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Serious moment over. Laura is getting prepared for their mission. She is super confused because the New Republic pilots aren't the bloodthirsty killing machines the Empire told her they were. They're <laughs> jovial and sincere and nice, and she does not like it. The the like undoing of her brainwashing was a little on the nose, but I also kind of enjoyed it. Like throughout, like she was really, really in in these chapters a lot. But I kind of liked watching her internal monologue. Be like, wait these might actually be the good guys? Yeah, like, wait, am I a good person? Wow. No, I'm not. <laughs> I also really liked um, the description of her X-Wing and how they had to, like, put the seat up as far as possible. She still has to stretch the pedals because I have to do that in every car <laughs> I drive. And it's nice seeing some, like, representation for that, honestly. <laughs> She's a shorty. She's a shouty. I like it. Laura's R2 unit is also named Tonin, a.k.a. Little Anton, Little Aton, which is, of course, <laughs> Repnus's first name. And that's so cute and so patronizing. <laughs> She's a little bit of a mean streak in there. It's a little scary. <laughs> She's former Imperial Intelligence. I mean, I know, but still. <laughs> they take off, Laura having to leave first because she arrived last. Which was, everyone's watching her, like, don't screw up, I guess. (laughs) And they, but they all get information pretty easily. She's added to Wedge and Face's pair since there is an odd number. Laura hopes everything goes okay because she doesn't want to kill any Imperials. And mostly because she doesn't want it as a black mark when she rejoins Warlord Gabor. The Wraiths then arrive at Levisar, and everything goes according to plan, which, that's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> Lara asks Tonin to feed her Imperial signals as well as the Wraith comms. She finds out that there are Levisar forces waiting for them along their escape route. She tells Wedge that, and they momentarily break for a new path while Piggy finds an exit. There are two Lombada, I just gave up again. There are two Lombada class shuttles <laughs> <laughs> approaching them on their new course. <laughs> And only three minutes until the pursuit vehicles catch them. Wedge tells them to eliminate their enemies and form up on 12. All Piggy needs is a point of exit. The chapters in this book are so much longer than in the previous ones. They're very long. They're very long, yeah. Because usually this would be like five or six chapters worth of things, not three. Austin was just like, oh, oh, I'm running, running. Oh, I should probably stick a chapter end here. (laughs) Right. Uh, I guess break. (laughs) So the Wedge's turn to engage the ties. Lara's having a hard time dealing with... Did you say the Wedge's turn to engage the ties? (laughs) (laughs) She sure did. (laughs) Imagine 13 Wedges. The Wedges. (laughs) Perfect. Dreams come true. (laughs) Well, the Wraiths also turn to engage the ties. 
<laughs> and Alara's having a hard time dealing with some conflicting feelings. She could easily vape Wedge Antilles, be the hero of the Empire, but she doesn't actually want to. She thinks that it would be treacherous because Wedge and the other wraiths have actually placed their faith in her. Laura goes into the firefight, setting her weapons in low in order to maim, but not to kill the Imperial pilots. The rogues... That's not even the rogues. The The wraiths win the first round, but Lara is getting worse. A thought sticks with her. Zinj is the same as Trigget, and Trigget, who was dishonorable and deserved the revenge Garapetathal gave him. She's becoming a good person. Oh... I was kind of joking about the reverse heresy thing, but that's kind of actually happening. Yeah, that's like yeah. literally what's happening. <laughs> From this engagement, they know that Shala was right. Warlord Gabor is having the New Republic do its dirty work for him. If Warlord Gabor actually had a presence on Lavasar, the Raptors would have been deployed first, not the Imperial troops. Lara wants to admire his plan, but the lack of honor gets to her. She realizes she can no longer cling to her Imperial Intelligence training, and now she doesn't know what she has left. She had such a, like, Captain America slash Tycho moment here. It, uh, honor. She's just like, oh, man, yeah. no honor. How can I do this? There's no honor. When the race get did, back to the Heath, mon- did you have feelings for her in this moment or no? Not really. <laughs> like, just because it seemed like it was... A new thing for her. Yeah, it was. Yeah. She kind of was just like, oh, maybe I can be a decent human being. What is this feeling? Yeah. I don't just want to kill everybody. So, I need some more some more time. If she continues yeah. to be this person, sure, but not quite there yet with her. <laughs> not on Tycho's level. No. I mean no never. But level. yeah. Not ready for timey up with Tycho and Nostril. <laughs> no. Oh no. No, no, no. <laughs> when the wraiths go back to the Mon Ramonda, Lara feels accepted by the rogues and the wraiths like this can be her new home. She wonders if she can live Lara Nostril's life and leave Garapetithal dead aboard the Applicable. She wakes the next day unsure of really who she is. Boy, this is, this is getting real. <laughs> the wraiths really return to, to her head there. Yeah, it's. I'm just going to say it's going to get a little messy. <laughs> Oh, dear. Does she actually ra- kill Garapetithel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Maybe. The race returned to Hawkbet base to find that the X-Wingless crew they left there has been busy. Runt discovered a hole in Halmad's sensor path, giving them a clear route in and out to carry out some raids. The first one they do takes them to the port district, and they didn't find much, but they did do a couple million dollars million credits worth of damage to some very fancy yachts belonging to some very wealthy people. The second raid they did, they literally robbed a goddamn bank. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the theme of this book is just like what happens when you are in character for too long. (laughs) So long. You you become that person. (laughs) It's true. Kasten also set up a way for the race to get transmitted global information on the planet. They find out that there are a couple more air bases being set up, one close to the wealthy district, and then one out east where there's supposedly nothing of value. So that's a pretty good lead. I also have to point out that this part, Kasten was like, hey, tell him what I did. Tell, tell him what I did. 
<laughs> which I was like, what is your problem? He's such a needy baby. He's just a big nerd. I think he's starting to figure out what Wraith 2 actually means. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, tell, tell Leader what I did. <laughs> they also changed the voice systems and the ties to mask their identities better. Now the comms can change language and gender to outgoing transmissions. Wedge remarks that he wishes Runt Kellenton didn't look so dang happy about their pirate activity, <laughs> and he reminds them that the Hawkbats are indeed fake pirates. Which, of course, Ton and Kel take as news to them. <laughs> <laughs> They've also identified a refueling tanker that makes routine trips around the system, and it's a great target for the future. Wedge decides that their next mission is going to destroy the two new airbags, air bases simultaneously. The pressure will more likely than not get Warlord Gabor to come for them. The night before Operation Groundquake, which is what they have dubbed this, most of the wraiths are relaxing in their makeshift cantina. Face notices Tan and Lara sitting together, seemingly having a good time. Lara eventually leaves, and Face sees an uncharacteristic stillness and resignation come over Tan. When he goes to check on him, of course, Tan puts on a good show that everything is fine, situation normal. Tan leaves and heads to bed before the mission, but Face knows something isn't right. After Face gets through with the Sims, he goes to check on Tan again in his room. Tan asks Piggy to bunk somewhere else that night, but when Face comes in, he knows Tan is alone because he's drinking. Ton apparently doesn't drink when he's on dates, which I actually really like that. Uh, Ton remarks that he gets drunk quicker now. Every time he has to get some body part replaced by a machine, there's less for the alcohol to course through. That's heavy. And for the rest of this really depressing conversation, we're going to read it out loud. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I've been saying that too much this episode. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Mission 6-3. Oh, dear. She wasn't interested, Face, in me. Lara? Yes, Lara. Well, actually, at various times, Fallon, Tyria, Verisley, Zamfolor, Borlaeus, and Coruscant, then Shala, Dia, and most recently, Lara. He tipped the bottle up and took a long pull from it. Face snorted. <laughs> Maybe you need to work on your technique. What sort of invitation did you make her? That's just it. I didn't make any sort of invitation. I just sat with her, talked with her, and read her eyes. She thought my jokes were funny, she was interested in my stories about the campaign we waged with Admiral Triggett. She liked me, I think she did, but other than that, nothing. I held no appeal for her, and that's the way it's been for quite some time. Look, Ton, being at war limits all of our social lives. I'm sure you'll find someone. Finish that idiotic gesture of reassurance and I'll be obliged to put your face through this wall. Fainan said. His tone was mild, but there was no mistaking the seriousness in his words. He wasn't even looking at Face. He hadn't moved or tensed, yet something in his tone made his threat very real. You don't understand. Make me understand. Fanon looked up at the low ceiling of the cargo module, as if seeing through it, as if staring at a starry sky in the hope that it could provide inspiration. A long time ago, back at the Battle of Endor, the frigate I was working on as a doctor was hit by an Imperial barrage. Blew out whole sections of the hull, sucked crewmen out into the hard vacuum. I was hit by a falling beam superheated by laser fire. One minute I'm helping a pilot with a concussion. Next minute, 
That pilot's been dead for two weeks, and I'm just waking up with a mechanical half a face and a mechanical leg. Ever since then, no woman has looked at me with any sort of serious interest. It's not the leg or the face, Ton. I know that, you moronic nerf. Faden glared at him, the glowing optic that served him as the left eye, making the expression malevolent. But something died when I was hit in that medical ward, and I think it was my future. I think people, maybe only women, can just look at me and say, there's no future in him. That's ridiculous. There's no mechanical replacement for a future face. Every time I take a hit, and they have to cut away another part of me and replace it with machinery because I'm allergic to Bacta, every time that happens I seem to be a little farther away from the young doctor who had a future. He can't come back, Face. Not all of him is here anymore. Ton. Don't give me some line about my not knowing what I'm talking about because I'm drunk and morose. I know I'm drunk and morose. But the truth of what I'm telling you is around me all the time, even when I'm not drunk. Even when I'm enjoying everything about my life. No future, and no one in my future. You have your friends, Ton. Fennon nodded. Yes, I do, and I'm grateful for them. But my friends are my present. And when I try to look from where they are to where my future is, there's just no one there. No future. I don't know what to tell you. I wish you didn't feel this way. Me either. Give me the bottle. I know. Mission tomorrow. Fennon handed over the bottle, two-thirds of its contents gone. If you're not right for the mission tomorrow morning, I want you to tell me. Yes, Lieutenant. Face wanted to say more, but the sudden formality of Fennon's last reply had somehow propelled him out of the conversation. He just shook his head and left. Oh. And that's where we ended this week! Oh, buddy. Oh, so positive. That was like maybe the heaviest scene in any of these books yet. <laughs> I think... Yeah. Yeah, I think that is is pretty much tied with Wedge writing Jasmine's um, mm, yeah. notice to Akbar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think those two have been like the most painful. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, Fennon, you poor guy. Like the, oh, oh, it's painful. It's painful right. in so many ways. Oh, buddy, buddy. Yep. It's not great. I'm sure anyway. he's fine. He's gonna be great. He's yeah. the only one who's gonna survive everything. Everything's fine. Everything <laughs> will always be fine. Yep. Mm-hmm. If yeah, Star Wars what? has taught me everything. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> oh my. Uh, let's do some listener responses, shall we? Yes. So last week we asked, what animal would you use as a plush to scare someone? Glistening Peck said, a life-size and lifelike, aka glistening, hut. Oh, why yes. is it glistening if it's plush? <laughs> Here for it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Also, it's, it would fill the X-Wing and then some. It's in the X-Wing. Peck's trying to kill Wedge. I don't. <laughs> it's like just imagine you walk up to your X-wing and there's like hot plush oozing out of all of uh, the orifices. Uh, uh, I don't want that at all. No, hard pass. <laughs> hard, hard pass. Um, Cole said a sarlacc that would pop out like a snake in a can. I kind of <laughs> like that. That's or like so funny. Or like a jack in the box. Especially yeah, that just... makes the noise when it pops out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Literally give me a heart attack. <laughs> well, I just had a bad day. Ben said, Bothan is the obvious answer here. And then when pressed by me, I said, is it? He said, Ewoks don't deserve to be stuffed. Bothans do. 
Which... I don't think they stuffed a real Ewok. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just a toy. It's just a toy. <laughs> it's what? not like, which, ado- it is which, not taxidermy. which species would you taxidermy? <laughs> Wait, I definitely thought it was a taxidermy Ewok. No, it's a toy. Really? You don't to- say the word toy. Danny, I definitely read it as taxidermied as well. Okay, so. thank you. <laughs> no, it was not taxidermy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I kind of want it to have been taxidermy. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I worked at a place where we had a taxidermy squirrel that like went on adventures. So like, this is not out of the realm of weird for me. Like a zombie? Ta- Wait. It no, wasn't. Okay. Like, it didn't go on <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> No, no, no. Taxidermy doesn't mean there. that you zombify it. <laughs> oh, no. I would Squirrel going on adventures, but no, I got there. The people were doing it, weren't they? Yeah, the people were doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I assume oh, the people so were doing it. Who even knows, though? <laughs> Greg said, a loft cat with a blaster pistol strapped to its back. Watch out, it's got a gun. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Ash said, Ugna all day long. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, cute. It would be cute. News of the Galaxy said, Rathars, man, those things are balls of fury. Oh. Which is true. Balls of fury is such a good phrase. <laughs> so many balls of fury. So many balls. Mika said, I would scare Wedge with a stuffed version of his current love interest, long lost husband. Upon squeezing, Misa back. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, good. No. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Tom said, I would buy a full-size inflatable hut and use it like a whoopee cushion. Extra funny in tight spaces. Cockpits and toilets. Two for huts. Yeah. Hassan said, a giant-sized stuffed boar gullet. (laughs) Uh, Glad boar gullet made an appearance in this. Yeah. Ian Miller said, I would obviously stuff a towels because he couldn't get it out because it was so big. That's what she said. Yeah, first of all. (laughs) Second of all... What's the towels? I'm googling this one. It's you know what a towels is. Oh, it's yeah. the guy from the canteen. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. the guy from the, the thing. Guy. The, place. <laughs> the white fuzzy guy. Yeah, yeah the fuzzy one. The, the one in the cantina with four eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Spitfire said a stuffed version of a Wookiee in lavender short pants. Yeah. Oh my god, that's such a good image. I think yeah. the lavender short pants would scare Wedge the most. Probably. <laughs> Bass said, and I love this answer. Oh my god, so perfect. I'd leave a stuffed version of Akbar so he wouldn't be lonely. Yes! Oh. And then also said, or one of Iella, but with her husband in the opposite corner. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Head to ruin moment! <laughs> oh no. Sarah said, I want to recreate this with Wedge. And then there was a gift from, I think, Star Trek. I didn't yes. I didn't know the reference. It was the trouble with Tribbles part where oh. Captain Kirk is opening the container and Tribbles just rain down on him. Okay. Jay said I'd hide a stuffed Akbar in Wedge's office in case Wedge needs something to cuddle when he is sad but can't show it publicly. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. god. <laughs> I love all the uh, Akbar cuddles. <laughs> Wedge is lonely, better get Akbar. <laughs> like so this good. Is how we're doing. So on brand. <laughs> do, do any Akbar plushies actually exist? I have one. Okay, I was gonna say. I feel like you would. You would. Know. Yeah, Meg. Meg would know. 
I have one. That's and finally, we should right... all get our hands on. I feel like. Yeah, I yeah. want like a child-sized one because it'll be cute. Oh, yes. I need an Admiral Ekbar body pillow. <laughs> oh, that would be so cute. Oh, that would be the best for Akbar cuddles. Oh my gosh. Finally, Raising Fangirl said, I'd leave stuffed hoojibs and not just one, but like 50, and I'd leave them all over the base. I don't know what a hoojib is. Are they the weird rabbit things? Google it! <laughs> I did. What are these? Oh, they are. The what are these from? Things. That was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are these from? It's from, like, an old comic or something, right? Or, like, a children's uh, storybook or something weird. Like a comic or something like oh, that. Oh, they're bunnies, but they have just a single antenna. What? How have I had a bunny for, like, three years and no one's ever told me about a hoojib? I think you just don't pay attention. I mean, that's probably true. Someone probably has and you just didn't know what it was and pretended you did. That, okay, all right. That's enough psychoanalyzing Danny for one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t- yeah, totally, totally a hoojib. <laughs> oh my. Um, listening Bodhi nominations. Um, Mika for the Misa back. It's just so good. I would do slightly smaller listening Bodies to Bast and Jay, but I think yeah. it's just my. <laughs> no, no, I, I definitely yeah. agree. Like. Yeah. Any mention of stuffed yeah. Akbar is an automatic, slightly smaller glistening Bodhi. And the one of Iela and her husband is just so ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also like Cole's, the, the Sarlacc that would pop out. Yeah. Yes. That's, that that's one's good. good. So congratulations. Oh, was it Sarlacc? Oh, I thought it was a... Um... Oh, what are the things? That's why I said it makes the sound. What are... Oh, I thought it was Minoc. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, I just ignored you when I said that. <laughs> I, I assume that sound like made a sound. I think it, it probably does, but it makes kind of a squeaky like. Gurgled, not but... quite as distinct as a minock. No, no. Um. So for this week's question, tell us whether you think you're more of a rogue or a wraith now that we've like. We spent some good time with the wraiths at this point, and this in in this book we see both the rogues and the wraiths. So, like, which which group do you feel like you belong more with? Yeah, and if the if it's different from which one you'd want to be, you can make that distinction too. Like, which one fits your personality, but also is that where you want to be? And then tell us how you're going to change your life in order to achieve that goal of yours. <laughs> no, no, no! Don't do that last part. <laughs> Just do the part that I said. <laughs> rogue or way? Rogue. Oh, wow, I can't. Wait. Rogue or wraith? Wraith. Can, I be, way. can I be one of the 13 wedges I mentioned? Yeah. <laughs> rogue, wraith, or wedge? <laughs> That's true. Wedge kind of exists in his own. Yeah. Okay. Are, uh, are well, we going to answer now or next week? Are you prepared to answer now? I think so. I think this is an easier question than yeah. your dance troop i mean uh, you're a pirate game <laughs> dance yeah, troop. that that requires some thought <laughs> i honestly think i am more of a rogue yeah like i i can act silly enough kilter at times but like deep down i just like 
want to get the job done and care about justice. And I feel like that's more roguey. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I'm a wraith for sure. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't really care about getting the job done. I just want to play <laughs> and have fun. And my professional life is very playful and spontaneous. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes I never know what my day holds. And I kind of enjoy that aspect of my life. I'm pretty like Danny there actually I want to be a rogue but I'm pretty sure I'd be a wraith because I too really need therapy and (laughs) and I'm really good at running away from my problems so I think I'd fit in well (laughs) also like it just I don't know it does seem like the place for people who aren't quite good at things but they're good at enough things that they can still be hired (laughs) that I'd probably end up there um I honestly think I would be a wedge (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because I do have that like commitment to doing good but I also have those moments where I'm like is this really what my life's become (laughs) (laughs) just asking ghosts like what has become of they're doing it again why are they doing it again I'm just like half the time you know stranded by my my colleagues and my friends then I'm like oh I'm stranded by babies (laughs) I need to make sure they don't kill themselves I mean, you are our rogue leader, so it does make sense you'd be the wedge. Yeah, it does make sense. I feel like I'm I'm the wedge. I'm I'm wedge. I'm a wedge. (laughs) All right, listeners, let us know whether you would be a rogue or a wraith, and whether or not that's where you actually want to be. Hit us up on Twitter at roguepodron. Find us at our website roguepodron.tumblr.com. Email us at roguepodron at gmail.com, and subscribe via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes or the Far, Far Away radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, and Google Play. And if you leave us a nice review, we'll read it on the show, such as this one from Amy Wishman. I think she left us a review on the Far, Far Away radio feed, but she also left us a review on the Rogue Pattern. Thank so, you. Yeah, thanks nice. for transferring your review over. And we might have read this before, but that's okay. It's a nice review. Does someone else want to read this since I've been reading them all? Can I take this? Go for yeah. it. Yay. Okay. I love this show. The hosts have great chemistry. The humor and discussions are lively and fun. The format of discussion of the X-Wing books, the focus on the relationships rather than the action is right up my alley. I wish I could give each of the hosts a glistening body. Five stars. Yep. Thank you. (laughs) One star for each of us and a spare one to split. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo. That's my favorite thing you've ever said, Daddy. <laughs> really? It's so good. I've said a lot of things. That's that's and that's my favorite. That's the peak right there. <laughs> I mean, you could you could say it's the favorite thing, but so far this is my favorite. <laughs> Meg, come back to us. <laughs> Meg is pulling the Heath over there. <laughs> All right, friends. So next week, we're going to be reading X-Wing Iron Fist <laughs> no, chapters okay, 10 through Let 12. her do it. Let her I'm do here, it. I'm here. Oh, my gosh. And with that, you that guys... was Rogue Leader signing off. Good night. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, join us next time for X-Wing Iron Fist chapters 10 through 12. You really will want to be with us for this next episode. So until then, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Cash out. Cash out.
I'm scared. Yeah, I'm really scared. <laughs> Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. Okay, great. Yeah, good, 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 good. Oh, cool. <laughs> Whatever noise that is. Okay. Ready? Ready. Okay. Oh, sorry. Tonight. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> so many balls. Okay. Hmm. I always forget to think of one ahead of time. Uh, um, looking through the show notes. <laughs> we are not asking our listeners that question. <laughs> we don't need to. We don't need that. just so everyone can actually know what we laughed about the question was are you as dead inside as tom (laughs) yeah i I usually cut these moments out of the show damn it that was just for us (laughs) um